Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today's guest is a really phenomenal go-getter. Sophia has worked in the industry for about eight years, and she's bounced back and forth between freelance and full-time corporate and is now back in freelance full-time as a remote freelancer, managing her own projects and her own clients. In the middle of COVID, she did this, you guys. Her story is amazing. Um, She has so many great tips from how she figured out how to get clients in the middle of a pandemic, turn some of those clients into retainer projects where she's getting paid on a regular basis. And so she has predictable, stable income, which is amazing, not just during a pandemic, but that's amazing all the time. Um, And she's had some of those situations that I know a lot of you guys have had too, where she's been stuck in a corporate job feeling like, what's going on? I'm not happy. This isn't working for me. Um, She even went through a process of trying to negotiate and and present and pitch to her employer. What if you let us work from home a little bit? This is before the pandemic. And they basically were like, yeah, we don't do that. Uh, Like a lot of the old school fashion brands operate. But she figured out a way to find brands that would let her work from home and Lee ultimately wind up leaving New York City in the middle of the pandemic and going to Texas and like I said re-kickstarting because she had freelanced before out of Miami re-kickstarting her freelance career and is doing great right now Um, she shares some very specific tips on how exactly she is finding clients how exactly she's getting more work from those clients and getting more clients from those clients. You guys, this is what happens when you freelance and you do a really good job. You start small with one, two, three projects, and then it tree branches out if you do things right and if you do them strategically. And Sophia talks us through exactly how she's done that to grow her freelance career. I am so excited to share her story with you guys today. Uh, As always, before we jump into the podcast, If you are not following me on Instagram, I hang out there pretty regularly and I would love to connect with you. Head on over to at so Heidi. I guess you don't head on over to at. Oh, I don't know. I'm blabbering. It's early in the morning, guys. I've been recording these earlier before, not before Errol gets up, but right when he gets up before my husband has to go into a meeting. Um, So it's a little early. I haven't had any coffee. (laughs) Anyhow, Instagram. I'm on Instagram at so Heidi, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I. Go on over there and give me a follow. I would love to say hi. And if you enjoy the Successful Fashion Designer podcast, please, please, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write up a review. They are very helpful. It is like pulling teeth to get people to do these reviews. You guys, it's really hard. Um, But we are growing, and it helps more people discover the podcast. And it really just it warms my heart every time I see a new review come in so thank you if you've already left one if you haven't thank you for taking the time to do so all right before I continue my non-coffee blabbering anymore let's jump into the podcast episode with Sophia and as always you can scroll down to check out the show notes wherever you are listening Welcome, Sophia, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Can you start out by introducing yourself to everyone and letting us know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Um, well, hi. Yes. I'm so happy to talk to you. Um, so I've been listening to you for some time, and I've been working in the fashion industry for a little over eight years now. Um, I started off in product development and then slowly worked my way into actually designing like from associate to designer um, and then worked in New York for four years. So now I'm in San Antonio. Um, So that's just like the little kind of like background. (laughs) And you 
said something interesting in an email that you sent, um, and so this is really kind of just the gist of, of what I know out of your story. Um, you got stuck working corporate in New York. I shouldn't say stuck, although I think that's the word you used. Um, <laughs> having freelanced, doing remote freelancing previous to that, and you got mm-hmm. laughed out of VP's offices for asking to work remote. This is pre-COVID. And now yes. you're working in as a, as a full-time freelancer. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a, like a lot behind that, but definitely um, I feel like when I was, I started in Miami. Okay. Um, so I went to school in Miami in uh, the Art Institute down there, and I did my bachelor's. Um, I started working corporate like right off the bat from school. But um, in Miami, it's very different atmosphere. Um, it's not as like, I guess, intense um, as New York, like garment district was. So definitely when I moved, it was a huge culture shock. Um, but I was kind of like needing that <laughs> at the same time. So um, so I worked like I was an associate designer um, for a tennis company in Miami. And then I sort of got um, like the management changed everyone like in the industry, like it was just totally different. And then, so I just was like, you know, I really feel like I need to look what else is out there. And um, my old boss from that job had been um, working at a, at a new, like very small company that was from Brazil they moved to Miami and they were sort of like just establishing themselves. So she contacted me and she said, well, why don't you freelance for us? And this was all in Miami. And I didn't even know that like freelancing was a thing really. Like I just sort of um, thought that you always had to work with like one company. So I was like, that sounds fun and different. And like I could actually do part time and then try to figure out what else I wanted to do. So that was, such a perfect opportunity and I um, started working with them and that's when I started figuring out everything that had to do with like making a contract sending invoices like the real freelance sort of work (laughs) Um, and it was like tough in the beginning for sure because I well I didn't have your podcast (laughs) it was like I guess 2014 or 2013 okay Um, when I did that and then um, I was like basically going off of like what do graphic designers do because there was a lot of information for graphic design um, freelancing out there circulating so um, I did that for a little while but then I feel like um, the the climate for fashion in Miami is a little small like there's three huge companies you can work for and then everything else is like very sort of like sporadic there's not like as much of a concentrated scene as in New York so I hit a little bit of a like a wall of finding clients and um and I was doing at that point I started doing not just like tech packing for that small company that my boss worked for but um I started doing like sample making with local pattern makers. Like I started figuring out who was sewing in Miami and um, who was like able to help me with all the little things that small clients need um, that aren't really like corporate clients. They're like small businesses. So then I sourced all those things and started working with those people and just doing little clients here and there. But then it like, I, like I told you, like I sort of hit a wall and, um, one of my friends in New York at that time, I reached out to her because I thought maybe I needed more corporate experience, like real, like I needed to go through the real thing, like (laughs) go up the ladder and like, um, learn all the ins and outs. So then I, I reached out to everybody that I could find in New York. And then one of my friends told me that she was going to leave her job. So I was like, perfect. (laughs) And, um, she, like, I got an interview and of course I applied to like a thousand other jobs in New York, but (laughs) like, I feel like you can, you kind of have to know somebody or at that time I felt like you kind of had to know somebody to even get like, I don't know, seen, but, um, I got an interview and then I got the job and then I just packed up and left 
and I like cried the whole way. Oh, why? <laughs> it was like, I don't know, I guess because like it was going to be so different and I was leaving like, you know, all my friends and family and like it was just like huge culture shock. Okay. And so when was <laughs> yeah. this that you moved to New York? Um, I moved in 2016. 16. I think it was May, like May of 2016, yeah. Okay. Okay, so you moved up to New York to and and so you're sort of leaving the freelance work and the freelance clients that you had established in Miami and moving up to New York to take a full-time corporate job. Yeah. Okay. So how'd that go? Um, it was like a huge, it was exactly the culture shock that I sort of thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, my friend had kind of uh, briefed me on like that company before I worked there, but I was like, you know, it's a good place to start and like um, get, you know, like get, moving in the industry and try to meet people and things like that but it was very draining like it was one of those companies that just has um a ton of licenses and a ton of like different brands under them and so it was a huge you know world and I was you know lucky enough to when I first started I got um a great like design director that I was working with closely um and even as an associate designer I think that's really great that that in that company, I was able to just, you know, speak directly with everyone from associate designer, like to designer, to design director, VPs, everyone was sort of on the same floor. So it was nice that way, but it was also very chaotic. Um, and I don't know if that was like specific to that company, but I don't know. I hear stories about other companies too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then what happened? It sounds like you asked to work remote or am I jumping ahead in the story? Oh yeah. So, I mean, I worked there for two years. I did work my way up the ladder. I was able to, like, I, I really pushed for, um, for, you know, those promotions and like, you know, just like worked really hard to sort of like get myself in the industry, like very, I don't know, how do you say, but like, I guess there was like a lot of lingo that I was learning and like a lot of ways of doing things, but also that whole, um, like everything's a fire attitude, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't know about. It was like very intense, but it was, um, I, I mean, I, I excelled really well in my position and I was able to move up. And then, um, what happened was since that company was very chaotic and the way they did things was like, I guess, very emotionally stressful. Um, so I um, was recruited sort of for this committee that was like a, I guess, a committee dedicated to helping um, company culture. And that it had already been like two years that I was um, working with them so that really um, actually inspired me a lot because I was I was facing burnout at that point mm -hmm. and when they came to me with that I was like oh this is such a great opportunity maybe I can talk about you know some of the things that I've read about um, because at that point I had been like listening to not only your podcast but I had been looking at like this other podcast that was like ask a manager so it was like management styles and things like that and I got really interested in company culture so when I got into that um I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't so much that they wanted to like fix things <laughs> but <laughs> it was more like you know they wanted to talk about it but then like the glass door reviews were like the biggest concern they had uh. so I'm not sure like what they planned to do about it but it was like I don't know like in court in the corporate world everything takes a long time yeah. to change yeah so I think you know we were throwing out the ideas out there but they weren't necessarily um things that that company was ready for at the time so the person that was heading that committee up ended up leaving and then I like sort of kept it going like we kept having meetings um, and then I, you know, was able to get FaceTime with the CEO of the company actually, which was huge. Um, but I was able to like get all the feedback from the designers on the floor 
and we put together like a slideshow and it talked about like a lot of these really new concepts of like working from home, like being able to take um, like an hour lunch break, like, you know, <laughs> things, <laughs> things that weren't really done, I guess, in that particular company. And again, I don't know how other companies were because that was like the first one that I was in for such a long time um, in New York. But I definitely felt like there was like a stigma of like you had to stay at your desk you had to be like on call if anyone was looking for you from like sales or like you know it, yeah, like if anyone called exactly. <laughs> yeah. so it was very it was very draining and I felt like everyone was sort of like we were seeing people leaving so much like it was like a revolving door of people mm. um that it was like something had to be done so we we brought that up. Um, the C- the CEO called for that meeting, but I guess like the VPs and stuff didn't really know <laughs> that the CEO called for that meeting. So like it was very shocking, I think, and it wasn't like well received. Okay, and so this have. is so the, <laughs> so the VP was calling for a meeting, or sorry, the CEO was calling for a meeting to. Um, try to help resolve some of the company culture, but in reality, yeah. you think it was just to fix the glass door reviews. Yeah, and yeah, then, that's what it felt like. Okay, <laughs> and so for people not listen or for people listening, I don't know if glass doors outside of the U.S., but it's a it's basically a review site where people review employers, and so before you go work for someone, you might go check glass door and see like, is this a good company to work for? Um, for people that don't know that. Okay, so and so you you as heading up this committee, you came up with these ideas of like, well, maybe there's some to create a better culture. There's some flexibility we could introduce into people's workday with working from home and maybe taking a reasonable lunch. And so that's what you were going to present. And the VPs had no idea this meeting was really going to happen. Is that what is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, I guess, like, the CEO sort of just came into one of our meetings, um, and, like, everyone was bringing up ideas, and I think that, you know, he's, he was, like, really gung-ho about it. Um, he said that, you know, like, whatever ideas you guys have, just put them together, let's hear them. Um, so we did that, but um, I think there was, like, just, there was a difference in, like, I think management styles, and that's what it all really came down to in that, like, particular company that I worked with. There was a huge difference in management styles there was like a lot of um just like kind of negative vibes in the like design floor and I felt like it wasn't just ready for that work-life balance to be put in place yeah that makes sense yeah no it does and I mean I think (laughs) fashion can be very um old school with some of these things so Mm mm-hmm so what so what happened when you presented the ideas of of maybe I know the two examples you said were work from home a little bit and have an hour lunch. What happened when you shared those ideas? Well, I really felt like um you know, once the group put the we put the PowerPoint together and I shared it, it was it was met with like like how is that we're not like Google, you know, like how is that going to be like even possible and I was just like well there's other fashion companies that do this you know because at that at that point we had all done our research Ah. um and there's other companies adopting these type of practices and there isn't like you know I guess it's not as um new as like what they were thinking like maybe we were gonna put a ping pong table in the (laughs) middle of like the design floor and we were gonna have beanbag chairs and like I don't know (laughs) And I was like, you know, it's not, it's not really about that. Like we all work really hard and, um, and I just, I feel like I was just met with this face of like, how is, how can you think like that? You have to, you have to burn through your like days at the office and you have to like, you know what I mean? Like be sort of like on call and how, how they have done it for so long, but people were unhappy. So there was just like, we didn't know how to move forward. <laughs> yeah. And when is the, this is like 2018, 19? Where are you in time? Yeah, this would be like 2018. 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, 
met with a lot of resistance. Yeah. And just sort of like, well, we can't do that. That won't work for our company. And it's just, it's, that's, we're not Google. You know, we're not some Silicon Valley startup. So then what happened? What what did you do after the meeting or did any did anything change? Well, I mean, uh, nothing changed really because the person that was there before that was sort of like our upper management liaison, I guess, if you will, she was like, she was the um previous VP and she had left so really I think it just sort of like dropped <laughs> and um we didn't have that like push um to get things done like to get things changed so I think from there you know I had all already sort of been looking for like my next place and so was that, like you know everyone else <laughs> that was there so I think um I like was lucky enough to get an awesome opportunity working with like another company that was smaller. And I felt like that was going to be such a good transition for me because working in such a big company, like I just felt like burnt out and I felt like I, you know, all the things that like I felt were so important to me, like being able to come to work and be like fulfilled, but not like, drained um it was just not working and even though I still I loved my job and I love being like in the industry so that opportunity was another um company that was they were based out of Canada so I think they have a different way of working like everyone was like easily transitioned to you could work from home like you could you know once at least once a week Um, me or my boss would do that and like I think because everyone was already remote it was easier like we had our production company in Canada our um like the president of the of like the design department was in like Seattle and so it was just like very exactly like what I wanted you know like it just felt more I don't know it felt easier even though we were doing the same amount of work because I was like heading up this like a whole brand and it even had like back then I was only doing bottoms like denim but then like this one had like denim jackets like tops everything so it was more lifestyle so I was doing more work but I felt so much better because it wasn't you know like a fight every day to sort of just like survive yeah (laughs) And so this yeah. is so the production teams in Canada. You said um, I think it was the CEO or someone was in Seattle. Yeah, and then the president. The president the... was in Seattle, and then you and some of the other like design team. It sounds like we're in, we're it was us in New York. Yeah, we were okay. the design team. Was very small. It was just like me and then the design director in a small office in New York, where we also had the um, the sales rep. Okay like with us very small office it was very nice like great transition (laughs) completely different from a whole floor you know in the (laughs) garment industry yeah so okay and how did you get that job how did you find that opportunity I called like every recruiter I could (laughs) find um which I don't know if like like if you you've worked with I'm sure you've worked with recruiters but like they're very sometimes in New York I feel like they don't call you back at all like they don't tell you what happened (laughs) with your applications so um I called everyone and I finally like was able to do like a project for this company um so I did that like you know over the weekend I worked really hard on it and um was able to land that job like pretty quickly. Okay. And then it it moved fast from there. Okay. And so, um, but now you're in San Antonio. So something happened in between, and I know you're doing full-time freelancing now. Yeah. So, yeah. So what happened next? Um, so I worked with them and it was going really well. And then um, the pandemic started. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I would say like around January, January, already like in New York I think in January there was already like news of what was going on in China yeah but it was very like sparse but I heard about it more because at that time like 
my my boyfriend worked in the medical industry sort of Ah. like not like he was doing research so he's always like looking up things (laughs) to scare me about (laughs) um so he he was already telling me about that so that was coming down the pipeline and then and then it exploded like around like March where everybody was like yeah so we all got sent home and then I was like See, that's why working from home is so important. In my head, I was like, oh. <laughs> um, it, like, it was something that in the fashion industry, I think, shook things up a lot because at least the old school sort of companies weren't ready for it. Um, right. They just didn't have the infrastructure in place. They, like, didn't know what to do. So, um, But I was lucky because with this company, I had, you know, my laptop and I just went home and I did exactly the same things. Um, it was, like, the only difficult part became, uh, like fabrics, yeah. fabric related, yeah. uh, which is still, I think something that I struggle with as a freelancer right now. But I think, um, like once we got sent home, then we were working from home and then I, um, found out that like my boyfriend actually got accepted to medical school outside of New York. So then I was like sort of thinking about it for a long time. I was like, what do I do? Like, should I do like long distance relationships? And I don't know. And then, but at the same time, because of the pandemic, it sort of like clicked in my mind that maybe I'm not supposed to be here right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Because sometimes life is like that and like little messages. Um, so I think that I was like, maybe it'd be good to just get out of here, like get some space, um, maybe some sun and try and just like go back to freelancing. Um, and at that time, I really thought I could like keep them on as a client, like keep my current job at that time as a client of mine and then, you know, transition over. Okay. And I, I was actually like, I put a proposal through to my boss. I said, this is happening. I'm really sorry. I love working with you. (laughs) And she was like, what is going on? And I was like, I love working with you. And, you know, like, definitely this company is so great. Like, you know, you guys, you know, there's just like a different atmosphere completely from my last one. And I really want to like, keep working with you, but I have to move. And since we're all working from home, I was wondering if that was something that we can just like permanently do. And like when things get back to normal, I'll fly in and whatever needs to happen. Yeah. So she like, she was good with it for a little while, but then there was a lot of restructuring happening in the background, um, you know, with the company itself. So I think they, you know, at the, at the end of the day, they ended up consolidating and she ended up moving to LA for I guess similar reasons, I'm not sure, but there was another like branch of the company in LA. So it just got like consolidated. And then I was just like, well, I'm staying in Texas. And I think there was like also an issue with like insurance is different in Texas or something. If you have, I don't know, there was some something in the back end where they were just like, it's kind of too expensive for us to keep you on. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so then I like lost them as a client, but at that time I was already in Texas and I was already like working on my next thing. So like looking for more clients, trying to figure out what is happening in San Antonio. Like, is there a scene here? Is there like, you know, what can I do? So that's how I got here. <laughs> okay. So, um, We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. And and when so when exactly did you move and and leave the Canadian company? Um, so I moved in July. Okay, July twenty twenty. W- okay. Yeah, and then I worked with them um, 
up until like the beginning of September. I think that's oh, okay. when I finally stopped okay. um, freelancing for them. Yeah. Okay. And so right now we're recording because this will be um, aired later than the recording date. Mm-hmm. So we're recording. It's the middle of November, 2020. So this is very recent. Um, mm-hmm. So talk us through, because my first question, and I know that what people are listening are going to say is, well, what do you mean you like moved to San Antonio and you just started looking for freelance work? Like where were you even looking for jobs or where were you even trying to figure out what sort of scene there was in San Antonio? What did your research process look like? Because I, I know that's somewhere a lot of people get stuck is where to even find the companies that there might be some work for. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, that is something that a lot of my friends asked me because, you know, like all my friends in the industry were kind of like, uh, are you sure you want to go to Texas? Like there's nothing over there for fashion. And I was like, well, I know that (laughs) it's going to be really hard. Yeah. It's going to, I was like a little worried about it, but then I really like, again, like I told them, I've told them about your podcast, but then also like throughout my career, like I never really stopped fully freelancing because at the end of the day, I really enjoyed it. And not just like, I didn't just enjoy like the work of it, you know, like the making the designs and the tech pack. I also really enjoyed people's stories um, because every like small designer that would come to me with like an idea, like it wasn't only fashion. Sometimes it would be, you know, I did, I've done like gloves, I've done like um, flotation devices before, and I've done like, you know, like different things. So it really, it was really my kind of a little bit of my outlet because working corporate all day sort of just gets very monotonous. So I would like sometimes on the weekend make like a reversible swimsuit for someone in Australia. And it was just like fun. Um, so I never really stopped. And then well, hold what on. I, where, where were these projects coming from? Like, how did you connect yeah. with these people? Yeah. So, um, back, like back in Miami, I had always done, um, I, they're not around anymore, but it, it was like Elance and oh, Odesk. Yeah. 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 Um, well, and so now and, it's Upwork. I don't know about Elance, but yeah. now Odesk is Upwork. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then, so I've always sort of known those things in the background but then when I um when I started freelancing like in New York and like everything sort of transitioned to Upwork then I started looking up more and I started finding Fiverr as another really great tool um to just find clients and to do like really quick small like weekend projects because at least for me like the difference between Upwork and Fiverr are like Upwork, I feel like you find very um, long-term, pro- like longer-term projects, okay. like you could work for up to three months or something. And then Fiverr, since it's very gig-focused, um, you you can do like one tech pack, you know, two tech packs, and then that's sort of like maybe hours of your time. Yeah, so not months. Th- yeah, exactly. And I felt like that was something doable for me. So I would like turn on Fiverr sometimes when I felt like, you know, I just needed to do something fun and different. And then I would like put it on vacation mode <laughs> when, I, when I was like set up with the world and I was like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how I found a lot of my clients. Okay. And clarify something here. Cause so we've had, um, I'm trying to think We've had at least one guest, and um, Kimberly Dipple. I can't. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's been on the show who's really had success with Upwork. Um, she had great success, and then ultimately transitioned off of the platform to full time freelancing. But um, I've not had a guest who has worked on Fiverr. And my initial reaction is, oh my gosh, don't those people like want to just pay you literally five dollars for a full tech pack? is what you clearly it sounds like you found a different caliber of work on specifically on Fiverr yeah so yeah that actually so that was I feel like my biggest issue with it in the beginning was pricing because when I would like when I do like pricing strategy the the thing that I do usually is just sort of like look up like okay if I was a designer like if I was somebody that has a collection that in my mind and I want somebody to make it for me, like, who am I going to find on here? So like, I just sort of did like a search, like 
I need somebody to do 10 packs. And it would come out like $5. Like, yeah, but it was, it was always like starting price $5 or something. And it would, it's like, you're competing with people, not only here, but like all over the world. So that's the other kind of, I would say like a little bit of a disadvantage that you have in Fiverr because the pricing is so different from here and like India. And like, yeah. so I was concerned about that for sure. But what I did was I, um, I put a price that was pretty low for like, let's say sketches. Right. So I would put like, Oh, I'll do your, you know, like your, um, flat sketches for like $25. And then what I always found was the case was like when I would speak to that client and say, okay, why do you need, why do you need your flat sketches? Um, and they're like, Oh, I'm going to get it manufactured. And then I'm like, well, you know, like if you are going to get it manufactured, you're going to need a tech pack. So then I kind of like gave them a little bit of insight and I feel like that made them really trust me. And then I, yeah. And then it became sort of like a little bit of an upsell. I said, well, I can get you your sketches, um, but then you're going to need a tech pack and you're going to need like, you know, the blueprint of your design and you're going to need to know what fabric you're going to use. So like, if you need help with that, I can also offer those services. Amazing. And, I love this yeah, strategy and, so much. <laughs> <laughs> and like nine times out of 10, like they loved that because I feel like when you go to Fiverr, you're just sort of like, I need help with this thing and uh-huh. like, I need it done, you know? So they were happy. <laughs> Amazing. So you, okay. I, oh, I love that strategy so much. How do you figure that out? Did you just kind of learn it on your own or did you hear something on a podcast or wh- how'd you learn that? I mean, it's a mix, definitely a mix of things. I think part of it was like my past experience in Miami, you know, working with that, like I had a pattern maker. He was like really cool, like Cuban guy that was just like working out of his house. And like, I just sort of knew all those little things that you needed to get that first sample made Uh and then at the same time I was listening to a ton of podcasts including yours and I feel like that's definitely a strategy that you've you've talked about um because I think like having that knowledge and sharing it with like potential clients is only going to help you like grow you know yes so I think it was a mix of all of those experiences um, just and then I was just like, well, like, I, how can I take this further than like how I was in, you know, back in Miami when like eventually I hit a wall there, and I felt like, how am I gonna like make sure I don't hit that wall again? Okay. Um. So that's where I'm at now too. It's like, how am I gonna differentiate my strategies as a freelancer to keep getting new clients? Um. You know, and growing the business. So has your main, so you said when you moved to San Antonio, you started sort of scoping out the scene there. So Mm -hmm. clearly it sounds like you were looking beyond Fiverr and Upwork for Mm -hmm. clients. So what, where did you look for those people outside Um, of those platforms? I mean, right. Like actually, I mean, when I started, I definitely started with Upwork and I think there's like, there's an algorithm on Fiverr and Upwork. Wait, maybe not Fiverr, actually, I think it was just Upwork, where it um, specifically tells you about people local to you. I don't, I'm not sure if it's on purpose, but I started noticing that when I moved to Texas, I started getting a lot of people from Texas. Ah, okay. Um, and then that kind of helped me out because I, like, told them, you know, my situ- like, I told them my story because, you know, I was letting them know, like, I have experience in New York and I can help you with, like, everything that you need um from design all the way to sourcing all the way to like I felt like super confident in my ability which was a huge difference from back in Miami too yeah and then I was like I can help you with anything you need and then I think from that like they were also like oh I know somebody that also needs this type of help and I did get like some referrals okay um so outside of Upwork. And then I also joined another networking site called Girlboss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So What's her I'm, name? I'm, so, her name's also Sophia, right? Yeah, Isn't Sophia it? Moroso. Moroso, yeah, yeah, Moroso. yeah. Okay. Yeah, 
so her story is also super inspiring to me. Um, so I had kind of followed her like books and stuff for a little while, but then when she opened that um, like networking site, um, it was really great because I just sort of like put on there. I was like, I just moved to Texas and I don't know anybody. And, you know, like I'm in the fashion industry and I would love to like just meet people in the industry. So like I actually did get a few like people um, contacting me from there that were also in Texas. So like it just sort of like built gradually, you know, like very organically because I think um, here, I'm not sure here how much structure there is. And like, since it's still the pandemic, I don't really go like go exploring too much. And like, I don't, I haven't gone on any like interviews or anything like that. So um, I'm like ready to, I hope like when this is, you know, when this is all over, <laughs> I can go see if there's actual companies like he, like here that I could work with. But that's how I sort of like started branching out. Um, the other thing I did that I haven't, like it's still very new since I only moved here in July. Um, but I, I have another like strategy that I'm sort of working on where I am looking up who are like, the social media people here so like if there's any like fashion bloggers or like designers here that are like starting out or like you know um emerging designer sort of thing or boutiques uh I've started sort of collecting a little bit of like a like a database of those things and then what are you thinking to do with because at first when you say these social media fashion influencers I think of people that are just wearing cute clothes every day they're not really like designing anything but maybe Mm -hmm. maybe that's a I misunderstood the market and I know you also said um you know maybe some small brands and boutiques but what's your strategy Mm -hmm. with those people are you thinking um well I've always wanted to so like at the same time as doing tech pack work and like you know freelancing I've always wanted to launch products as well And I think, like, at some point, I want to differentiate a little bit, like, where, like, my revenue comes from. So, like, I would love to continue doing freelancing for a lot of, like, let's say if there's a small boutique that needs help and they, you know, they're ready to do their own products within the boutique. Ah. um, I was thinking maybe that could be a good opportunity since I do see a lot of smaller boutiques here than, like, I guess, big, big, huge, like, stores. Yeah. So, um, I think that would be really cool opportunity, but then also I would love to like maybe make a product and like hand it out to like some bloggers and sort of get my name out there as a designer as well. Oh, like you make your own product. Yeah. Ah. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Exciting. I, I love, um, the diversity in your thinking. Um, I think that comes from another podcast. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. But yeah, no, I, I do. I, um, I think that like right now everyone is sort of like a, a, um, I don't know how you say like, uh, like a slash something else. You know what I mean? Okay. Like you're a designer, you're like a songwriter, singer, songwriter, singer, slash songwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's, um, that's really cool because, um, a lot of the, a lot of my time, I think, uh, like spent before was like, am I doing the thing that I love? Because definitely when I was working in corporate, I questioned myself a lot. I was like, am I unhappy because this place sucks or am I unhappy because I don't like what I'm doing? You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, for so, sure. That's a big question. <laughs> So it definitely was like really internal, like a little bit of an internal struggle because I was like, no, I do like what I'm doing, but why do I feel so bad? You know, (laughs) and it was it was a lot like um, of thinking like, well, maybe maybe I don't just want to do tech packs. Maybe I also, you know, want to have my own something, you know. Yeah. Sure. What? (laughs) Hey, you'll figure it out. Um. Yeah, you'll figure it out. But I just, I love that, like, you're thinking, I mean, the one that really got me was the boutique strategy because at first I was like, 
okay, but what are you going to do with boutiques? And then I've actually had guests on the show, and I'm trying to remember who they've been, to be honest. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I can't remember the exact guests who started out owning a retail boutique and then ultimately went to launch their own brand. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's actually a huge market there that's very untapped. No one is pitching to those people. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, let me work for you. Let me show you what I can do. Let me help you start this thing. Um, you know, there's the obvious brands that are getting pitched to a lot that are people just are applying and saying, oh, can I work remote? Can I work freelance? But then there's these really untapped sort of hidden routes that or creative routes, a little bit hidden too, I suppose, mm-hmm. that I think there's a really interesting opportunity. Um, yeah. So yeah, cool. Because those people at the end of the day will end up in Fiverr. <laughs> yeah, they will. But, so might as well get them before they get there. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like once they end up there, sometimes they get a little bit discouraged because it, you know, you just don't know, you don't know the whole process as like, I guess a boutique owner if they didn't, if they don't know the whole design process and how much it really costs to get like things done and yeah. sourcing and all of that, then yeah. they can feel really, I don't know, really tired. <laughs> yeah. And I think people can get really jaded too, because they go on there and then they think, oh, I can get a tech pack for $5. I mean, it's an extreme example, but it's out there. And mm-hmm. then let's be honest, the quality of work that you get for $5 is probably not that great. So then you get really frustrated and you're like, oh, it's so hard to find a good freelancer, which is a big challenge. Um, Yeah. So, oh, this is so interesting. So, okay, so you're starting a list of those and you're you haven't started reaching out to them, but you're sort of, it's a strategy you're working on. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like right now, I, I don't know if they'd, they'd be so open yeah, to it. Yeah, might not be the best time. It's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, but I definitely feel like, you know, just having that database is going to just help me. And I just, I'm just doing like an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to help me when this is all over. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so simple. I mean, you said database. I think that can sound really overwhelming. But for people yeah. listening, you guys, it's just a spreadsheet. And it's just it's digging through like maybe Google Maps or doing Google searches and finding like cute local boutiques near me. And, you know, maybe this is a strategy mm-hmm. you want to explore as a listener. Um, or maybe it's something that something else that inspires you. But it's not complicated to track this stuff. It's just spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, and there's also cool. like yeah, go ahead. bloggers here too. Like yeah. there, there's just different like there's a whole little scene wherever you go. Um, if you just start looking at like. If there's any um, uh, fashion incubators or things like that to connect with, you yeah. always, you know, that's a great way to find people. Yeah. And so is your thought with some of the bloggers kind of the same too, thinking, oh, there's these style and fashion bloggers, but what if they want to launch their own product because they already have yes. like, a following? Ah, so yeah. smart. Uh, that's another, yeah, that's another thing because not only like maybe I'll, maybe I'll release some like cute sweaters or hoodies or something yeah. in the future, but like the same time it's you know like they always want to put their stamp on things I feel like as a blogger and to say like you know they saw these cool trends and they want to interpret it them their own way I think it's like a huge thing that's really happening and it's really not as um like in your face of you know like even graphic designers they come up with like little fashion collections here and there yeah so it's so true so like the one I think of um is, and you may or may not be familiar, but it's called A Beautiful Mess. Are you familiar with Elsie and I forget her sister's name? Mm, I don't know. They're, they're don't, pretty don't big. They're pretty big um, now. I have followed them probably for, I mean, gosh, like 10 years. And I remember I used to subscribe to their blog way back when you like subscribe to blog feeds through an RSS. I mean, I guess people still <laughs> yeah. do RSS feeds. But anyways, and when they were pretty small and they started out and – they now, um, they have oh, a line yeah. of, they have a line of sunglasses. They have a line mm-hmm. of, uh, fabrics. They're, they lean a little more crafty and home decor mm-hmm. than fashion specific, but they still came out with a line of sunglasses and, um, they have a line of, of textiles, fabrics. And so I think that this is such an interesting strategy and no one's ever talked about this on the show before. Um, we'll have to bring you back in, in a year or two to see how it pans, you know, obviously once the pandemic slows down, um, (laughs) 
but to okay. see how it's gone. But this is so interesting. I love this idea so much. Um, yeah, and it like even then like home goods like that's another thing yeah. that you can like easily transition to. So. For sure, for sure, you can design a pillow or you know a blanket mm-hmm. or something like that. It's very within your realm. Um, this is amazing. So so in the meantime, you are building and growing. Um, mostly through Fiverr and Upwork clients and and you're kind of collecting these other people on the side? So, yeah. So right now I actually have like, I was able to secure like a very good client, like as a, as a retainer. Ah, So talk about that. Yeah. I know that word, (laughs) that word is like amazing. So when I learned about that, um, you know, basically I have, you know, a number of services that I do. And sometimes it can get really daunting to sort of price each one and then sort of calculate all the time that it would take for each particular thing. And um, if you've worked in the fashion industry, you know that sometimes things can take longer than what you think they're going to take. Because, for example, if it's um, talking to manufacturers on the phone or things like that, you know, like you might need to call 10 or 20 and like, all that stuff. So I think what I found um, works really well to just make me feel better about like making sure I get paid the right amount um, and also make the client feel more comfortable um, is to do a set amount of money that is just sort of every two weeks comes in. Um, And so I set up, um, I use PayPal um, to get payments and stuff like that. And then they have like a great business tool that um, you can create invoices through it and then just send it through it. Um, so I was able to do like a recurring invoice uh-huh. and that saved my life because I hate writing. Like I hate <laughs> anything to do with money. Like <laughs> I don't want to like have to think about it too much, you know? So it really saved me because then I can just like set it to recurring and then like I can get paid and I don't have to like ask for my money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm really happy you touched on the logistics of that, but I want to know where did you find this client and how did you negotiate a, con- a retainer contract with them? And so you guys listening retainer is basically, it's kind of like flat. You explained it a little bit. It's kind of like, I'm going to do this amount of work and you're going to pay me this amount of money on an ongoing basis. And obviously it can get terminated, but that way you know every two weeks or every month how much money is coming in, and then you're going to do roughly X amount of work within reason. Mm-hmm. So it's like ongoing, consistent project-based. So where do you find the client, and how did you negotiate retainer? Because I know a lot of people have trouble negotiating a retainer in fashion. Yeah. Um, I So this particular client I actually found through Upwork. Um, and yeah, like, so she just, yeah, she just wanted, um, originally she just wanted to, um, to do like the tech pack part. Um, and then she had already, I think she already had product development team that was working on certain aspects of it. Um, and like, it was like more, it wasn't, it's a much more technical client. So she's doing a flotation device. Okay. And that's going through like patent process. So I can't really like talk about all of it, but um, I, she, she has her like very specific product that she wanted to make. Um, She, you know, really needed much more, I think help than what like the original conversation was. And then we got on the phone and just sort of talked about everything that she needed. And it just was like much bigger than, um, and much more long-term. So I told her, you know, if we sort of do this just one-on-one instead of through Upwork, um, I'm able to just kind of create this contract with you. And then, um, we can like work together and I can help you with your other team, your product development team, and just sort of like merge the gap between like what you want to create and, you know, what you're going to get at the end. And so I pitched it to her that way and she really loved it because she was, I think like at that point, like she's been working on this project for some time. So she was like ready to just have someone take the reins, like be the expert on um, all those like details. And really she needed a bit of a redesign at the end of the day. So I, I worked on all of that for her. That's so and, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then when I told her, I was just like, you know, I'm going to give you like X amount of hours. I think I told her like 18 hours a week or something. And then you can, you can just um, pay me every two weeks for that hour or those hours. And then um, I will make sure that like I speak to, like I source all of these things. I send her like things for approval once I get like, once I get uh, samples from factories and things like that. So she really is happy with the way like that works versus having to pay each little thing. Yeah. Can become sometimes a pain. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so amazing. Congratulations on landing that gig. I'm really excited for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, are you, are you finding on Upwork, are people coming to you or are you pitching and applying to a lot of jobs? A lot of postings. Oh, it, it, it's definitely a lot of me on Upwork. It's okay. a lot of me ap- applying because okay. I think the way that Upwork has their platform is just a little difficult in that sense. Like people don't come to you um, the way in Fiverr they do. Okay. Um, but yeah, you have to write proposals. And what I found, at least for me, that works is that I have like a, a document where I just write like a very generic proposal. Um, and then I have to copy paste that into like <laughs> every type of like different uh, fashion like related posts that I see, like where they need a tech pack or whatever. Um, and then that really helps with you, like the time it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You have a template that you work from. But how much customization mm-hmm. do you do uh, for each proposal that you send out? Um, I would say like not it's not too much. I would I always kind of start off by saying like my background so that never changes and then I address whatever the proposal is asking for. So like I'll go back to the proposal and say, Okay, they're asking for tech packs, they're asking for this and that and then I can tell them like a little bit about my if if I've done something in that particular industry, like for example, if it's swim and I know I've done swim, like I will tell them, you know, I've done swim for this, you know, before I've done this category before and I can definitely help you with this and then I will like that's sort of like the only customization that I do okay just that little piece where like I just address their specific issue yeah but you do have to address their specific issue I mean Mm -hmm. because I found so like I've posted jobs on Upwork to try to hire people and I have hired some people off of Upwork um, not for fashion but for some just general business and even some web design stuff. And the amount of just generic copy and paste proposals that you get is obscene. Yeah. Just like, oh, you didn't even read my proposal because you didn't even address anything that I mentioned in my proposal. So I think you can have your base template. Like you said, the introduction of yourself and your background doesn't change. But you do need to make sure you go through their proposal and answer any questions or address their specific points because um, – And I actually think that it's – people think that – or I think people think that Upwork is really hard to stand out and to get the project. But I actually think it's not that hard if you just do that, like, 20% more effort. A hundred percent, yeah. Like, everyone that I've – because I've turned a lot of my friends to these things, like, because they were, like, same way, like, I got frustrated. They were frustrated. And I was like, you guys – you could totally freelance. And like, I think they would like vomit if I told them about Upwork again, because like, <laughs> how many times I told them But it's really just like putting in the effort of, of just like, what I like to do is like, if they post a, if they post a job and they're saying like, I need tech packs for whatever, um, I will make sure that I sort of say something that like a question for them as well. Mm. Like you need, you need tech packs. Do you also, do you also have like, I don't know. Do you also have, um, the manufacturers already that you need or like anything specific that might, um, kind of hint them to like the next steps. Yes. So so it kind of, it kind of helps them know, like, I know what I'm talking about, but also like it, keeps them like knowing that I'm like addressing their specific issue, like whatever it is they need. It's brilliant. I mean, literally you guys, I'm telling you what, and you're obviously seeing results from this, but this works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, it's fast. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just, I posted something probably two months ago and I think I got 25 applications and 
literally maybe three of them were not generic copy-paste. So then three of them, I was like, okay. And then one of them was someone similar to what you had done. They had, you know, they had the generic copy-paste part, of course. Then they had addressed some of the things. And then they said, have you also been thinking about this? Um, and so I, my immediate thought as like the person hiring was, oh, I hadn't thought about that, but I do. And this mm-hmm. person's going to help me think about the things that I am not thinking about. They must be the yes. one. And I exactly. hired that person. It's brilliant. <laughs> it works, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important to like look ahead. Yeah. Um, Have you, know. you noticed, and I don't know how much you can say, speak directly to this, um, but one of my theories with the pandemic, and so again, this is November that we're recording this, and your episode's not going to come out until, um, oh my gosh, April. It's We're a little ahead of schedule right now. Well. But, yeah. Um, so things might be different then, but I still think this will be relevant, is that a lot of brands, a lot of the big brands are closing, filing bankruptcy, a lot of people have lost their jobs. And so those Mm -hmm. people that have lost their jobs from those companies are finally saying, this is my theory, and I've I've heard some proof of it elsewhere, um, but are finally saying, you know what, now's the time I'm going to start my own thing. There's not a lot of job opportunity available. I'm going to take control of the situation. I'm going to start my own brand. And those are the people that are going to, they obviously might have experience in the industry, so they can do a lot of the work themselves, but they're going to need to outsource some of it. And so this is where I think small startups and freelancers are going to start, it's going to become this amazing, beautiful cycle of the small brands kickstarting, hiring the freelancers. And I think a lot of the work is going to get pulled out of, I mean, of course, we're always going to have the big corporate brands, but I think it's going to decrease, right? The pandemic is pushing a lot of them out. A lot of them are closing um, consolidating. And so I think a lot of the industry is going to come back and is already starting mm-hmm. to come back in these small startups and the freelancing space, creating this own, its own little culture and community of itself. Mm-hmm. Of its own. Yeah. And if you look at the success of just like Etsy in itself and how it's like grown and how now it's like the go-to place for everyone's like holiday shopping, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, think. Yeah. So um, I think if you just look at that, that's definitely something that those people on Etsy probably had to find a freelancer to um, help them get those products made. Yeah, so true. I love this. Um, I am so, so, so excited to hear how this all progresses for you, Sophia. It's amazing. You're being really smart with some of your strategies, yet they're very simple. and I, I just, I love the way your brain is thinking and how you're going about all this. It's, it's going to be really fun to see how things continue to grow for you over the years. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited yeah. to um, just continue to, like, work from home and maybe travel. And <laughs> yeah, one day when we can, yeah. Get my time back. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Um, I'd love to end the interview with the question I ask everybody at the end, and that is, what is one thing people never ask you about working in fashion that you wish they would? Um, I guess it can be incredibly rewarding, um, working in fashion when you take the time to hear the stories behind like products and why they're made and who they're made by. And I think that sometimes we can get like really focused on like doing like the minutia of everything, but, um, like with, I think sustainability and all those things in mind, like if you really think about the product, think about the person behind it. I feel like that's so important. It'll help you. It'll help you feel better about what you're doing. (laughs) I love that. Getting the story behind the product. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. No one's ever given that answer before. Um, I appreciate something, something like that. That's a, that's a great direction. Um, and last, where can people find you or connect with you if they want to just say hi, or maybe they've got a project they want to hire you for, or who knows what, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, um, I think right now the best way is um, through my Instagram. So I have um, an Instagram called Seam Culture, like seam as in like sewing seam, and then culture. Okay. Yeah, and then um, I have like a link to my Fiverr there in case anybody needs anything. But I post about like my, just my freelancer journey, like, you know, little pictures about my process and things like that. Wonderful. 
Well, I'm definitely excited to let people connect with you. And thank you so much for sharing your story and all your insights today. This was really fun. Yay, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's like, like I said, I feel like I manifested this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love I that. I was thinking about this. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to that episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. A big shout out to my husband, Mark, who does all the tech and editing behind the scenes. And my right-hand girl, Tara, who does an amazing job at coordinating the guests, publishing the show, everything she does to keep the show running. You guys, there's a lot of moving pieces and parts, and it would be really, really hard for me to juggle this all by myself. So thank you, Tara and Mark, for your support. As always, thank you to you for listening, you guys tuning in all the time. This is amazing. Make sure you've subscribed in Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet so you don't miss a show. And if you would be so kind to leave a five-star rating and write-up on Apple Podcasts, those are tremendous and really help the show. I'd be really grateful. If you want to connect personally, I am on Instagram at SoHeidi, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I. I hang out there pretty regularly, so come on over and say hi. I'd love to see you there. And if you want to check out any of the resources mentioned in this episode, just scroll down wherever you are listening. Thanks so much, you guys. And I'll talk to you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast.